as we enter into sharing what it is that we share, I pray that let us meditate on those particular words that are coming forth, that Jesus be the center of it all. Make him the center of your life in every aspect or whatever it is that you do. These words were crossing my mind. That is in Revelations chapter 16. As we, before we enter into the main crust of the message for today, that is, Revelation 16 verse 15, Jesus says some interesting words. He says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his or her garments, lest he or she walk naked and they see his shame. Hold on to those words here. Behold, I'm coming quickly. That is the Lord himself who is saying, and he says that, you know, I'm coming as a thief. It is a time that none of us expects him to show up. But he says, for that one who watches, and that one who keeps his or her garments, they will not walk in shame. So keep your garments clean. Keep your garments, you know, as he expects of us. Keep watching. Then he says in Revelation 22, again the same similar words, verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Behold, I am coming quickly. Again, he repeats the same words. Jump or go across to verse 12. The Lord speaks against their similar, similar words. And he says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have right the right to the tree of life, and they may enter through the gates into the city. Three or three times he repeats in this particular place as he finalizes the final revelation that he gave to John. Behold, I am coming quickly. And the same words are continually coming unto us. It is even more quicker, more sooner than it was in John's time. In John's time, it has taken another 2,000 years have lapsed. And, you know, and then he, uh, the same words now come to us. So we are nearer to that moment, 2,000 years nearer than John was. And I hope that will ring a bell in you and in me. Let us set ourselves to be ready. Let us give him room. Let us make him the center of our lives. Let us make him the core of everything that concerns us. Because he's coming and he says, my reward is with me. What reward are you looking forward to get? Don't leave saying that, you know, I'm hoping I'll just skip, slip through and enter into heaven. There's nothing like that. He clearly says, it is for you and me who are able to watch and keep our garments. And now we have, been, we have been looking at this particular topic. We have been looking at the testimony of the Samaritan woman. Talking about the laying down of her pot. It is an, an analogy, analogy, you know, standing like, you know, laying down your heart at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I would like us to start 
another short aspect of this particular testimony. And I pray that by the grace of God, our hearts may be opened unto what it is that the Lord is seeking to establish in us. And the main aspect, the main verse we look at is chapter 4 and verse 16 of that same chapter. After Jesus asking her to give me a drink and then telling her if you knew who is speaking to you, you would have asked him and he would have given you a living water and you will never thirst again. Then she asks him, Lord, give me of this water that I may not come into this place anymore. Then he speaks to her these particular words in verse, verse 16. He tell, the Bible says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. Go call your husband and come back. Now later on, as she runs off, she tells him, of course, I don't have a husband. And then she runs off later on. She lays down her pot at the feet of Jesus and she runs into town to go and seek whatever it is that she was going, you know, going to tell the people there in the town to come and see a man who has told me all that I ever did. Now, last time you remember we said the tempter brings alluring attacks against every child of God. And when he brings these attacks, he targets, he targets, targets your five senses or your five gates. I will look, let us look at our five senses, the human senses, as the gates through which he targets. He comes and he brings his filters at each and every one of those particular gates. And there's a reason for those attacks. He will attack your sight. He will attack your smell, you know, your vision, the, the smelling, the, the, your smell, your hearing. He will attack your touch, the feeling aspect, and he will attack the taste aspect. All of those particular aspects are for one purpose. He is watching and looking for ways to destroy your faith. Realize faith is a matter of the heart. But it is interfered with by what you see or what goes through your eyes. Faith is a matter of the heart. But it is interfered with, with what you smell. You know, your faith, you may be strong in the faith. A brother or a sister comes by who has not taken a shower for a long time. And the, the moment you smell, mm, look at him, what a useless, stupid man. This, you have already abused that brother or that particular sister. And it is, yeah, well, he, he's, of course he's smelling. I mean, it's, it's a matter of fact, it is a reality of life. But many times we'll, we'll ring our nose and we may pass him a very terrible look. Or a very terrible look. So people don't care care of themselves. You realize we've already gone a wrong route a wrong route it's so easy for the enemy to make us stumble and it it he, he, he comes in to corrupt your faith our hearing he targets that hearing to make sure you will just hear the wrong word which will churn you up and make you lose it completely realize the bible says without faith it is impossible to please god and so what does the enemy do? He knows the only way I will do is to play around with these characters is mess their faith, spoil it, you know, mar it up. The moment I've mar it up, they will not please him. Just like, you know, he, he went to jo uh, playing around with Job. 
And that's what the Lord is now looking unto us. He tells this particular woman uh, an interesting word. Just like those words that the ones we are sharing on. Go, call your husband and come back. So as, as we have said, that the enemy is watches looking for the ways to destroy our faith. Through the test, through the touch, all those particular things, it is for the purpose of destroying your, 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 your faith and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or at the very least, he may be able to destroy your productivity or mess up with the gift of God that is in you. He seeks to place, as we have said, filters at your gates, at every point of your heart. Realize the, to access your heart, those are the gates that he accesses them. He, he will access your heart through your eyes, through your ears, through your smell, through your touch, you know, through your uh, nose and through your touch, through your taste. All those particular ways, he seeks in ways to be able to touch us. And, you know, as we think, he comes in and he enters. If he can lure you or me into forfeiting our souls, he has succeeded. But if he can't lure you into forget, for, you know, forsaking your soul or forfeiting your soul and entering into the things of the world, he devises schemes to cripple you spiritually, making you useless in God's army, and or he disfigures the gift of God in you. We shared that last time. Now we, had, we looked at this woman. She had the ability, as we say, to attract the whole city and introduce a new way of living. That is the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. But that gift had been disfigured because of the filters that the enemy had put around her. And instead of attracting the city, she was attracting other women's husbands every other, every other moment. Now God may have ordained you and prepared you for a particular purpose. Maybe he has called you to be a comforter. You have the grace to comfort people who are hurting. You have a grace to comfort people who are, who are in need. In any one way or another. But the enemy can come and put a filter in that particular place. So that instead of comfort, how many testimonies have you heard? Of men and women who have gone to comfort somebody and they have ended up falling into sin. And end up being you know, misused by the enemy. It was begun very well. I'm going to comfort so and so. But the enemy comes and puts another filter right there. Uh, and a relationship or an affair starts to flare up. And people fall into so much heartache. Many other you know, evils happen. Why? Because filters come and he places in. So instead of comfort, he brings in a, fi a filter of sensuality. And he destroys that wonderful gift that God had prepared. Because he says God is the God of all comfort. But he will not comfort you himself. He comforts you through a brother, through a sister, through a neighbor, through whatever. But he, the enemy will come and try to put something, a, a filter there. Maybe the Lord has called you to be a person who will correct others. But when you come to correct that individual, the enemy puts that particular you know, filter into before you. And instead of correcting, you find that you start shaming that man or that woman. So instead of drawing that person close to God, you chase that particular individual away. May the Lord grant us grace as he works in us and in each one of us. Maybe the Lord has called you to be an encourager. 
And when you go to encourage, instead of encouraging, you find you're starting to criticize that particular brother or that particular sister. And hence, you break that particular final reed that was bending almost, you know, breaking. You break it completely and you had gone to encourage. That particular, and the words that come out of your mouth are not encouraging at all. They end up being words that destroy and, you know, push that particular person deeper into the hole and can bring that person up. Look at, the, at yourself as, you know, as we consider our port, we consider our hearts. There is so much that God desires to accomplish in us and through us. Maybe God has called you to go to lead others into his grace. But you find that when you go to go to lead, a filter has come and instead of leading, you find you have ended up misleading those particular people into a pit. And initially it was a desire, I will direct them into the right way. But along the way, you find that, you know what, I'll make gains A, B, C, D, Z. So you end up misleading that particular individual. Maybe you're an instructor. Instead of instructing that person in the way of Christ or in the way that God wants you to instruct, you end up being a manipulator. You manipulate that person so that you make gains out of that individual instead of instructing that person. The window of our heart. Remember that whoever drinks from our earthly heritage, be it all that is our own efforts, what we have learned from our associations and even our personal achievements, those ones who drink from what we have achieved by our own power and by our own self, they will thirst again because it never satisfies. Because it is written, it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The gifting of God in you and in me is the one that satisfies. And that's what the Lord is looking for, to be able to bring forth. And so he speaks to that woman and he tells her those interesting words, go, call your husband and come back. We'll come to it shortly. So what are we trying to say? What we are saying is that whenever you are moving on, Never front yourself. Don't front you. Don't take me, you, to put yourself in front to be the one that is seen. To be the one that appears to people. Don't seek to impress. Don't seek to look for fame. God is looking for something. He wants you to front the gift of God. Front Jesus Christ. As you front him, something will happen. But you can only front him if and only if. You have laid down your pot at his feet. You remember what he said? She is sent to go to call her husband. She doesn't have one. So what does she do? She goes on and she goes fronting Jesus. She does not front herself, you know, with her attractiveness to be able to attract anybody. No longer that is the issue. She comes fronting Jesus. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. It is no longer about her. It's no longer about her beauty. It's no longer about her voice. No, it's all about Jesus. That's the one she now comes bringing forth. Telling everybody in the city, come and see him. He is different. And as a result, many come across. But remember, Jesus says to her, call your husband and come here. In essence, what is he telling her? What does the husband represent to this particular woman? Realize, in all her life it would appear... This is the thing that was consuming her attention. It consumed the whole of her. She valued it most. She wanted a man in her life. 
She wanted a husband at all costs. And so she will look for him up and down. And so the Lord tells her, go and call your husband and come back. In essence, what he's telling her is, bring your all. That is, bring your, you know, that which you value most. I want you to bring it to me and come back to me. You know, bring that which consumes you most. Bring and lay it down here. Come back, bring it back to me. Bring, you know, your greatest desire, that which matters most to you, bring it to me. Remember in Colossians chapter, it should be chapter 3, and verse, verse 1 and 2, where the, the Paul writes to the church, and he tells them the words that, you know, if you then were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your affection, set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. So what the Lord is seeking to be able to achieve in, the, in this particular woman is that particular aspect. Bring your all, and he's speaking, that's what he's speaking unto you and unto me. Just like the message we had last particular last week from our brother John Savage, as he told us, you know, the, the Lord calling call, calling out, bring you know, get, bring it to him whatever it is that you have, so that he, with that which you bring, he will be able to use it to bring honor and glory unto his wonderful. He will transform that affection and fix it to himself. Look at Paul when Paul comes to him. And this is what the Lord now is looking for. As we say, as we remember those words, go, call your husband and come back. God is speaking unto you and he's speaking unto me now. Go to your home, go to your own heart. Come start looking in yourself. What is that thing that is most important to me? The thing that I adore, the thing that I lose, I, I, I know interferes with everything in my life. It even blocks God in my life. And bring it unto the Lord Jesus Christ today. Lay it at his feet. As the song told us, make room for him. Let that thing give way. Hear what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 from verse 7. Paul says, what things were gained to me, these I have counted laws for Christ. So ask yourself, is there anything in me that I can't count laws for the Lord Jesus Christ? He says in verse 8, yet indeed I also count all things laws for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the laws of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God, by faith, that I may know him. I may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. I may know the power of the resurrection of Jesus. I may know the fellowship of his suffering. I may be conformed to his death. He says, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. What is he telling us? If you are longing to attain to the resurrection of the dead, if you are longing to encounter him as he says, behold, I am coming quickly. He says, go back home. Call your husband. Call that closest desire of yours. Bring it over to me and return unto me. He's saying, I want you to surrender all, not a half, not 99%. I want you to surrender everything 
bring it right here so that I am the core, I am the center of your whole life for the glory of God in the highest. What does Paul tell us in Colossians? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Your hope of glory is only in this one, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the economy of God, just as we look like we look at our economies, in God's economy, there's one thing that you like. In the God's economy, it's not like ours, where you can have different interests in different, you know, in different investments in different places, and somehow you gain from each one of them. The economy of God does not work like that. The economy of God is such that he says, tells us in Matthew chapter, chapter, chapter 6 and verse 31, and especially as he repeats those same words, I repeat those same words unto us. Go back home, call your husband, and come back unto me. Hear what he says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. As we look at the economy of God, the economy of God, he says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? Interesting in his economy. He wants you to remove all worry. Don't bother. Do nothing be anxious. That's what it is that he's telling us. He's saying, therefore, do not worry. He says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. In his economy, he knows all those things we need. them. You need to be clothed. You need to eat. You need to have shelter. He knows every one of them. But what does he say? In my economy, God says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Go, bring your husband, bring your desire, bring what you value most. Bring that which you have hidden in the closet that nobody knows about. Bring and come back to me. Then I will give you the living waters. Because that, that was the condition. He was to give her the, give me of this water. Okay, go back. Bring back, bring back that which you have been hiding in your house. That desire that is so deep at the core, nobody knows about it. He says, bring it over to me. He knows the things we need. But he says, seek first him first and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto us. So quickly, there are a few things that I would like to, uh, to, to give unto us for, for, for today. It's a form of an instruction. It is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. We touched last time, but I would like to go in depth in it in the next five minutes and we shall be through. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 24. This particular place, the apostle gives us some indicators. Some indicators that warn us if the devil is starting to place filters at our, at our, you know, at our gates. It gives us indicators, it shows us if the devil has picked us up as a template to be drawn away from God and to be cast into destruction. Now listen carefully what he says in, from verse, seven, verse 17. He says, so, that is Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 17. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility or in the fertility of futility of their thinking. In the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding. 
and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of greed, or they do it with all greediness. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Jesus Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, that is, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created, in, uh, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there are five things that the enemy does in our lives as we, he picks us up for destruction. The first thing he does is there is the darkening of your understanding. Darkening of your understanding. We'll touch it briefly. Hardening of your heart. Losing sensitivity. Immersion in sensuality. And finally, spiritual destruction. Darkening of understanding, the hardening of your heart, losing sensitivity, immersion in sensuality, and, and finally ending up into spiritual destruction. So briefly, there are a few things that I would like Mary to put on the screen. Maybe we will we'll, we'll read them along as we go together because I, wa I, want, I want them to be able to get into our, our being as much as possible. If you answer a yes to any of these particular questions, it is an indicator that a filter or filters are being placed at your gates and you are being drawn away from God. But remember what he said at the beginning. Behold, I am coming quickly. Watch. The watch is to make sure no filter is placed at your gates. You must make sure that you see clearly at all times, my brother and my sister. That reward, I don't want you to miss it. I don't want to miss it either. Don't let your gates, your, your pot, your heart be interfered with because of the filters that the enemy brings in our paths. Remember one thing, he says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. That's why he says, go, bring back your husband. Bring back that which you desire most, that which is attracting your attention. And Paul is telling us thereby, set your affection on things above. Remove your eyes from what it is that is around us. We may be able to go we'll get them as we work. We have to work yes. But the thing is, let not your heart and your life be consumed to the extent that that is what is, or that's what matters. It is the Lord who matters. Now he said, yes, as I'm saying there, to any of these questions, it means that a filter has been put you know, before you. There's a filter that has been put at your gate, and you're being drawn away into destruction. One, take note of this. Are you confused about what is true? Item number one, 
Ask yourself, Israel, ask of them and myself, ask myself, are you confused about what is true? Hold that thought. Secondly, have your beliefs about God, the Bible, or the meaning of the Bible passages gone through major changes recently? That is, you no longer believe the way you used to believe before. There has been a shift suddenly. Suddenly you are looking at the Bible from a different angle than you have always looked at it with a sincerity of heart. Thirdly, do your views, you know, your new views justify you doing things that you once believed were wrong? If those particular three aspects, in under that question one and question two, it will help you discover if your understanding is starting to be darkened. If your understanding is starting to receive filters that are darkening it, then you can rest assured if any answer to any of those questions is yes, I'm asking you seek counsel to make sure that you are not being deceived. There are many voices that we are hearing in our present generation. I don't want you to be deceived, my brother, my sister. The Lord is coming quickly. And many are being led astray by what they listen to. By what they hear. May God help you. We move quickly to our now next, uh, the next law. If your answer to any of the first three is yes, remember, you are in the port of being deceived. And you better watch. Aspect number two, the, 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 the next three questions. Are you, re, you know, are you reasoning quite differently than you did when you were at the most dedicated point of your spiritual walk with God? When you are hot for God. There is a way that you used to think and you used to judge everything from that particular point. Suddenly, you realize that, you know, you are now reasoning quite differently from how you used to do before. Item number five. You do, th you know, do, do things that once brought you pain and mourning now have little effect on you. At one time, you will touch it and you will mourn the whole day, God, forgive me. I have sinned, I have sinned, I repent, I repent. It's like, you know, you know your whole life, has come, you feel I'm going to hell today because of that word that I said or that thing that I looked at or that you know, thing that I involved myself in. Do things that once brought you pain and mourning now have little effect on you? Hold that thought. And number six. Is something in your life absorbing you so much? It's, so, it's absorbing so much of your emotion that almost everyone and everything else are losing the levels of importance they once held for you. That one thing is absorbing you all so much. You don't have time for the word. You don't have time for others. You are longing in just for that particular one thing. Number that those questions they help you to see if your heart is becoming hardened and if you are losing sensitivity your heart is being hardened or you are starting to lose that sensitivity the spiritual discernment you are starting to lose it down the line so if you answer yes to any of those particular three questions we have said seek counsel again that is from someone who can help you to discern whether you are buying a lie because you want you know, a lie that you are looking so much to believe. You want to believe that that is true. It's like when a, when a girl or a man is going for a woman or a man, whichever way. And, you know, has, I just want him. I just want him. You try to tell the girl, look what you, man. You are going into a, a lion's den. No, 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 no. I'm in love. I'm in love. 
That is exactly what it is that is happening there, even for us in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you know, your hesitancy, if you hesitate, if you hesitate to seek counsel, it is a sign of how much you need that particular counsel and you need that particular help. And lastly, number seven and eight and nine, or and ten, are you craving more of that something or someone which is becoming the focus of your life? Are you craving more of that something or someone which is becoming the focus of your life? Is God losing his place in your life because of the something or someone you are focused on? And you know, that particular thing or someone is crowding God out of your life. And number nine, after you become involved with that person or with that thing, did you, you know, did your emotions about God increase for a period then gradually diminish so that you no longer feel a strong love for God as you used to there before? Number 10. Are you doing things you once thought were wrong? Now wanting to do them more often with greater intensity? And you know, you no longer think about whether they are right or wrong? This particular 7 and 10, the 7 to 10 question, they help you to decide whether you are becoming immersed into sensuality and hence into spiritual destruction. Before it is too late, seek spiritual counsel from someone you deeply respect as a person, a man or a woman of God. Strong, mature Christian intervention and prayer can still deliver you from the grip of Satan. Remember, Behold, I am coming quickly, says the Lord, and my reward is with me. So Jesus tells her, go call your husband and come here. He's saying, bring me your all. Bring your all to me. Come to me with all that concerns you. Let me be the keeper of your port. And I want you to check yourself and determine in your own heart, what is it? that I am holding on in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon and the team, can you come and just sing that chorus, just song once again, I make room for you to do whatever you want to. And as they sing that particular chorus, or that, that song,